With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the April 7th edition of the PFF Forecast. This, I know I say this every week, I'm not lying. This is an awesome, this is a fucking awesome episode, okay? J.T. O'Sullivan joins us. If you don't know who J.T. O'Sullivan is, you're going to find out, and you're going to be happy you did. Uh, We talk about a lot of stuff, including Justin Fields, Mac Jones, all the other quarterbacks. We do a mock draft with him. Um, We talk about Brett Favre being Brett Favre's backup. It was a fantastic uh, 30-ish minutes uh, of an interview. We're also going to react to it and talk about some draft props. I know we promised that we were going to do win totals today, but we got JT on. So the win totals for the NFC will be Sunday on Masters Sunday. And yes, I'm going to give you Masters picks. You know this. Let's rock. I'm, I'm hyped about that because we just recorded the interview and it was a lot of fun. So we're not going to made gonna, fun of our shorts. Which made I, fun of our shorts. We already like him because he com, comes in with the humor right away. He it was it was interesting. If you're not if you're listening to this, um, it's about 82 degrees in Cincinnati, and so you know we're both very excited to wear the shorts. JT's in San Diego and dude's wearing a hoodie. You know because you can do that in California because every day is sunny here if it's sunny and you don't wear shorts and and a t-shirt you've lost like one of the 10 I, days I where you can do that comfortably the, the worst thing I think the funniest thing about most of our guests is they're living somewhere that George covets <laughs> like one of these times we got to interview like Trey Lance's coach and be like where are you, where are you living right Bismarck and for the first time you know George will be like oh yeah <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I don't know. I, maybe there's something in Bismarck that we're missing out uh, on. I went to a wedding once in Bismarck. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I actually played a game. Of it. it was the coldest game I ever played. But, yeah, it's – it's no. There are places I'll, – I'll have you know. There are places other than Indianapolis that are worse than Cincinnati. TBD. <laughs> maybe we'll go on a road trip one of these days. Now that uh, – look, I, I'm, I'm vaccinated. I've been engaging in discourse with the people on the internet. Some really good takes our, out there. Our good friend Lee Sharp, I think, got the ass end of the internet. I, <laughs> I got to say, like, those are pretty good, like, okay, let's go through and block some people. Well, here's the, what you do. You got to fire out on Twitter. At least this is my the way I attack it, is you fire out a tweet, and that's your Twitter for the day. You don't get to go engage. You don't get to do that. You got to tweet. People will go engage, and that's it. You don't you don't do that. I, I never go back in. Usually, I mute comments actually, just to like try and be productive. Yeah, you don't want those people in your mentions though. Like, because because like, what if what if one of your friends catches a stray like racist person talking to them? If they can't even see your tweet, welcome to, begin to the real with, world. Well, okay, sure, but you know, I'm trying. Yeah, look, I get. Not, it. I'll say you you're vaccinating yourself to protect others. Take another step yes. and protect your Twitter followers <laughs> as well. That's a good point. That's a great point. Um, okay, let's get to the interview. We'll recap it on the other side of this. Um, JT O'Sullivan is here with us. And before we get to JT, I got to remind you, got to pay the bills here. The PFF okay, draft. And, and, I, and I have to respond to some, some comments on YouTube and I have to look lively during these. It's true. You do. You need to be, you need to have some energy. Uh, the PFF NFL draft show this year is going to be fantastic. We're going to do it in this room. It's going to be April 29th. We're going to start at 7 p.m. Eastern. We're going to have the whole crew here. And there's rumors that there are going to be some celebrities jumping on as well. Okay, we're working on it. Um, but the whole crew is going to be here. It's going to be fantastic. There's going to be film 
there's going to be footage of actual football players playing football on the PFF draft show. You don't see that that often. No. And there's no better place to go watch that because guess what? We've graded every player and every play. It's mm-hmm. going to be fantastic, okay? You can watch it on PFF.com. We're going to have a live draft tracker. Uh, it's going to be awesome, so come check live it out. Live projections, live fantasy analysis, whole live deal. gambling, everything. Oh. And here's the best part is at pick number three, I can promise you, I will never. There will never be a more entertaining moment of yours truly. I know I'm not that entertaining most of the time. I'm going to be a Remember fucking mess. Remember when we when we did the show at the in the old the old couches out yes, there? Yes, I do. And we're all sweating through the first pick because we all have a ton of money on Kyler Murray. Yep. And then of course all of us exhale, not because the show is going particularly well, but because we all want our bets. So come check it out, pff.com, and of course. Get a PFF draft guide with a PFF Edge subscription that will give you all the information on every player leading up to it on PFF.com. Just $40 for a whole year for that subscription. Great deal. Okay, JT O'Sullivan. Let's get it. It is now our pleasure to welcome on JT O'Sullivan. Um, I, there's so many ways that I could intro, intro JT O'Sullivan. Uh, indelible memory from my time as a Niner fan, uh, the Mike Nolan era. Um, and a well-traveled a historian, a California born and bred, you know, one of the finest, and also the creator of the QB School on YouTube. If you have not checked it out, you need to. You absolutely need to. These are some of the best QB breakdowns. And he's joining us from outside in San Diego to rub it in, I assume, JT. Yeah. Part of a... No, it, well, yeah, it, it's nice here. I'm not going to lie. You guys are <laughs> making me a little jealous with the shorty shorts and the, and the ankle socks. But you can still fit in out here. We'll, we'll, we'll let you go. JT, you are a part of a like a class of Brett Favre backups. There's like 15 of you guys that ended up starting an opening day game. It was like Doug Peterson, uh, Aaron Brooks, Matt Hasselbeck, Mark Brunel, Ty Detmer, JT O'Sullivan, Aaron Rodgers. Like just a humongous group of quarterbacks. Kurt Warner also. Mm-hmm. Like just a, a great group of four- – what was – the Brett, like, can you just give me a Brett Favre, like, uh, you know, just just brief what was like the backup Brett Favre? Yeah, what was like? There's no, no, there's no great way to do it briefly. I will tell you that I'm sure you guys, y'all, have gotten the opportunity to be around people that you really look up to at one point, and it never quite, you know, unfortunately, it's just really hard to live up to that. I would say, and Brett did. Uh, he practiced harder than I would ever have imagined. He really did. He the, the the stuff that everybody loved when you saw on Sundays, him like having fun, the joy, the competition, that was him every day at practice. And so it was fun to see that. And I tried to steal that from my own approach. But just like, you know, good old boy, always having a good time, great storyteller. I There are things that I still say that I stole from him and I take as my own uh, all the time when Any I'm coaching examples? high school players out here so it's uh i took a lot from him but more than anything else just the approach he had every day getting after it that that i thought was infectious i thought people uh gravitate towards and just aspire to have that kind of conviction at practice every day do you have any sayings that you specifically like i want to get some sayings out here for a reason yeah well one that i say all the time and i use it both when i when i teach leadership and when i when i kind of make fun of people as joke on the side it's like Sometimes, Brett, I was really frustrated with uh, Daryl Bevel was our quarterback coach at the time. And I know there's a lot of people that are frustrated with Daryl <laughs> Bevel for different reasons. But I was frustrated on, on just from felt like my opportunity was being squeezed. I didn't like where what I was being asked to do. And so he basically told me one time, he pulled me aside. I was like, hey, uh, one of the things that I learned early on that's really helped me in my career is sometimes you got to overcome your coaching. And I really took it as just like a, hey, you know, at some point, this career is your career. It doesn't matter what your quarter, doesn't matter what your coach says, doesn't matter, you know, if you get cut, you get traded, you got to make the absolute most of this thing. And so I say that all the time. You got to overcome your coaching. I tell my kids they got to overcome their parenting. And there's an element of just, you know, you got to have the mindset that you're going to overcome this if it's important enough to you. Can that you, was like a, can you uh, say that? You, uh, have, you have to overcome your coaching. Did like, you? Did you overcome your coaching? Did, did who? Did, did Brett? Did you? I wasn't a good – like, well, both JT and I are, are former Division II football players. <laughs> I feel like uh, a common bond, but but no, I was go. not good enough. JT was good enough to make it to the I, league. Well, I was, I was trying to get you. So here's what I'm trying to get, JT. And I was going to say this for the end. We're just going to – got to do it now. Eric is a really good 
he does great impressions. And his Brett Favre impression, it gets me. It gets me at my core. And so, like, I, you know, I was just trying to get him to, uh, to say the word maybe. Oh, yeah. Did, did, should Chili have called a better play? Maybe. Like, <laughs> he, well, I'll give you some more ones that you can, that you can work into your <laughs> repertoire here. His, one of my favorite things that he used to say all the time was they'd be like, hey, Brett, you know, uh, what's the read on this play? He'd be like, one, two, three, put it on him. <laughs> like, all right you know okay That's, i guess that worked one two three uh, put it on him you just i mean he's a good old boy i thought that was a perfect yeah. way to put it um, that's a great i think that's a great quote though you overcome because it is ultimately like no one so we had we had sage rosenfels on last week and he played for brad and you know childress and like he's had he's had certain things to say about kyle shanahan he's had certain things to say about brad childress yeah and ultimately, like no one remembers that he was good under Shanny, and he was—he barely played under Childress because it is his career ultimately. And like that's a great point to make. Whereas obviously, you are a product of a lot of your environment, but no one remembers your environment. They remember how you played. And so, I mean, Brett's super talented, so he can overcome a lot. But like, it is good—I think—a good way to instruct people. Yeah, and yet, you know, weren't able to. Look, I, I remember some Niner teams, JT, where there was no overcoming those <laughs> that yeah. coaching, no matter how hard you tried. Because you played under Nolan, right? Yeah, I was there. I, I probably, yeah. Yeah. I got, I got a little uh, Singletary as well. Oh, my goodness. We, well, and then that was Mike Martz, right? Mike yeah. Martz, you played for Detroit. And then, yeah. And then he was the OC yeah, that, the final year of that Nolan. Was a wild, that was a wild experience for me because I went in there. Uh, and I've told the story a handful of different times, but the I went in there and Alex Smith and Sean Hill were competing for the job in San Francisco. I did not get a rep in spring, not one rep. And I went from being the backup in Detroit to not getting a rep in the spring. And then Alex hurt his shoulder in camp and Mike was pissed at Sean and kind of frustrated with Alex. And he's like, well, you're in there. You just take Alex's reps. And then I just never stopped taking the reps. <laughs> and it was just like, and I remember thinking like, you know what? Could he really use that spring? Yeah. That would have been nice. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, we can save the Singletary stories for uh, for after. <laughs> I, I I remember one time seeing Mike Nolan at the Woodside Deli in, in California, and I, I thought there were people that looked like they wanted to fight him. <laughs> like there were people in there that were, were maybe a beer away from being ready to charge Mike Nolan. Um, but we do want to talk uh, a little bit about the draft QBs. I think it's a good segue because so much of what these guys' careers will look like is going to be dictated by the environment that they show up into. Um, but right now, we have to judge them based on what we've seen. And, and you've done this in, in great detail on your YouTube channel. And one of the things that's interesting for us, like we're computer nerds uh, in, in many people's minds, like we try and leverage, you know, data and, and make predictions that are based on that as opposed to, you know, kind of the traditional watching of the film side of things. There are people in our company that definitely do that. We're the nerds of the, of the group. So I want to hear from your perspective, you know, how do you, when you're breaking down the film, what are you looking for? How are you grading these guys out? What's your process for that? I mean, I think you guys have a much more rigid methodology than I do. You know, I'm doing it as more on the old school side and I'm doing super incomplete stuff as well. Mm -hmm. I know people and I enjoy it. And I have fun going back and forth with people, but I'm just watch everything that you see on the channel. That's what I'm watching. You know, I'm just, uh, I am curious. I like to know I'm curious about football. I enjoy football, but I'm not doing any sort of like in depth, uh, you know, quantitative stuff pulling apart, you know, hit charts and things like that. I'm watching it to see things that I think can translate to Sundays, things that I think are interesting. So I gravitate towards accuracy. I gravitate towards anticipation. I gravitate towards, you know, athleticism that I think can extend plays and be unique uh, when it comes to what the position is evolving towards. But, you know, I, I personally have a lot of respect for the side that takes the opposite side that can actually put you know data behind their predictions where i'm i'm barely i get uncomfortable even doing rankings because i'm not even in like the mock draft world to be like i don't know what this organization needs you know i don't on my days are done looking at depth charts to figure out where i think i could get a job across the league on you know a team that needs a backup things like that where you know i'm just looking for players that i like watching 
I like watching Zach Wilson. I like watching Justin Fields. I like watching those that tier of player. And so I think that those guys potentially can be successful on Sundays. You've already qualified it just like I would. So much of it is luck. So much of it depends on your situation, your organization. You know, I always think it's bizarre in American sports that it's the norm to say, hey, congratulations, you're the best. You're going to the worst organization. But that's just <laughs> the way that our, our drafts work here. And people think it's normal because that's what every sport does. Uh, it's not like that on the international stage, you know, at different mm-hmm. levels of different sports. And so that's just my, my take on it. I think it's very going to be really difficult for whoever gets picked one and two to go in and be successful anytime soon. I just think those organizations are on different levels versus, you know, whoever gets picked third has a great opportunity to go in there and and hit the ground running, you know, depending on what they do with Garoppolo and and going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think you do such a great job in your videos of talking about, like, from the – like, I, you know, neither one of us has played quarterback. And, you know, when when – you played quarterback for our flag flag football team. Yeah, when neither one of us has really played quarterback. And, you know – you have a perspective of here's when this you know when Kellen Mond hits his back foot he should be do he should be thinking about the, it this way and you know you're probably there's evolutions in the game where that's not always the case but it's so much further along than you know when we're looking at it and I I put out this stat the other day it was like 14 of 57 throwing the ball over 10 yards in the air outside the hash marks and so then I'm, of course, looking at all those throws and, like, wondering, okay, you know, is it the receiver who can't get open? Is it the scheme or everything? But, like, you know, there, there's so much value in being able to get in the head of a quarterback and, you know, being sort of like, well, was this, was this even the correct read to make? Was this the only throw he could make because everybody else wasn't open? And so, like, I think that there's a ton of value in that and why I think we've, we've found so much value. And obviously we do our projections and, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what my statistical rankings are of the quarterbacks, but it is interesting just to hear, like, the, hey, this, this is why this, this happened this way and this is why that happened the other way yeah i mean i i I definitely see the the value in both as well i think it's it's just it's so hard for me to say with any sort of certainty most of the time hey this is the read this is where the ball Mm -hmm. should go for sure because unless you're in the quarterback room and unless you know what that game especially on sundays you know saturdays high schools college games they have a little bit more of what I would classify as like pure progressions, meaning it doesn't matter what the coverage is. You read it one, two, three, uh, and we go from there. We're in the league. Put it, it on them. You know, versus this look, this coverage, this thing, we're going to go this week to this. And it's it's hard to play like that, but that's what you have to do at that level, and that's what most teams are asking their quarterback to do. So when I say, you know, gosh, that comeback on the other side is wide open. Why didn't he just throw it to him? Well, because the guy didn't have a clicker. You know, he's back there looking at the other side because his coach told him to look at the other side. And and I know what that's like because I've been in situations where the reason I was playing was because I was doing what the coach was asking me to do. You know, I I wasn't going rogue. I wasn't doing, you know, playing recess back there. And so I I understand that value of it. The other thing that you talked a little bit about is just the precision of what the passing game is like in the drop back game on Sundays Mm -hmm. as far as the timing of the feet, the depth to be and where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, and what the accuracy needed and the anticipation needed to be successful in that type of passing game is hard to replicate anywhere other than Sundays. Well, and, and so I think that that part of it is hard to give. Well, and do you think that 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 is why it's so hard to translate? Because I was talking, I was talking to Mark Tressman, and that was literally the first thing he said to me when I was like, "Well, what do you look for in quarterback play?" And he said, "I want to see a guy be able to go through the steps. Like I want." It's a five-step drop, and I want him at this depth before I think of anything. And I'm thinking to myself, but there's so many other things a quarterback does, and there are, and and some of the best quarterbacks are the Brett Favre's, the rule breakers, the Patrick Mahomes's, and you know what what Zach Wilson. I think a lot of people believe he could be, but at the same time, like I think that there are plenty of quarterbacks who fail because they're so good at the college level where there's so much margin for error and they get to the NFL and maybe they're not that elite player physically, but they also can't manufacture the sort of precisions that that's necessary. Like to say, be a Kirk cousins where I, I'm a, like, Kirk is not the most talented quarterback in the world, but he, he appears to, from my perspective, to be a person that checks all the boxes in the pocket. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would agree with 
Mark Tressman with saying that, you know, as far as the most important thing, I, I certainly think it, it is an important thing. I think if you ask most people in the league who coach and deal with the position, I would say that they would rather have someone who can uh, check all the boxes as far as physically, and then they can coach them, mm-hmm. you know, like I'll coach them up. I think that's the part that's hard, you know, sometimes with these projections as far as like a lot of these guys, you know, everybody's an alpha male in the league. And so they all think that they're the best coach. They can mm-hmm. all coach up the guy, the superstar athlete, to be even better and do our system the way we want him to do. The reality is, is you probably can't do that all the time, but you certainly can. And guys can get better. And that's the thing that's hard, not, not a thing. One of the many things that's hard when you're projecting someone's ability on Sundays is, you know, what are they asked to do in college? Because everybody loves to say, oh, you know, he's running a college offense. It won't translate to the league. Well, it's a college offense in college. Like, yeah, it's not the, it's not the same. It's a different level of rigor. It's a different level of volume, all those things. Does he have the capacity to translate that to Sundays? And I think if you can see it, you know, a little bit in any part of the game, it makes it easier to make that assumption. But at the same time, the game is faster and it it just is. I I think I was around a number of guys who, if you got them on a whiteboard or if you got them in the film room, they would know where to go with the ball all the time. But then you get out there field level, in a helmet and it feels like it's like, you know, playing super advanced mode and you can't even get a completion. Things are going too fast. And so it's about, you know, being able to make the most of your moment. If you're playing, it's about being able to make the most of that moment, be as prepared as you possibly can be. But if you're projecting some of these guys, I think you love to see bits and pieces of it, but you sure as hell never know. And for me, as far as the, you know, the precision thing about the five-step footwork, I'm always look to me, that says more about the coaching at the college level as far as what they're asking him to do. Like, if you look at Mac Jones, he's in a precision p- passing game. His, he knows where he's supposed to go. You can see him working through clean progressions. Versus sometimes, you know, a, a guy who maybe it's not quite the same precision, a guy like maybe what they're asking Trey Lance to do at North Dakota State, it, it might not be the same type of precision passing game. It doesn't mean that Trey Lance can't do that. He right. just hasn't been asked yeah. to do that yet. And so it's their job to project hey, can he do that consistently on Sundays when we've seen Mac Jones do bits and pieces of it on Saturdays before? I could have, uh, to transition here a little bit, I could have introduced you also as a comedian because I, the other day, I turned, oh. on, I turned on a QB rankings video on YouTube. And... How, gotcha. Okay, here's... here's how, a, how did you not laugh? So I caught <laughs> you smirking at the top and I go... Oh, this is what yeah, this yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. How the fuck did you not? That was 17 <laughs> so, minutes. You had 17. At one the point. The intelligence test is how long it takes you to realize. To figure out what it joking. is. He's joking. Yeah, like it's it's the, the Daniel Kahneman <laughs> thing. The, 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 the amount of time it takes you to realize he's the smartest person in the room is how intelligent you are. But how, if it took you more, like, well, what would you say that? How, if someone said it took me X minutes, what would it have to be for you to respect them a little bit more based on that? I mean, it depends. Some people that watch every single video, they knew immediately just with the order. Yeah. Like the order was like, oh, this is a bullshit. Yeah, and yeah, then other yeah. people, other people know that I put out April Fool's stuff before, and they were already, you know, into it, getting excited for it. But if you didn't know, there's no. I I tried to make it as like straight faced as I possibly could. So at one point I think I like go off script a little bit. You did laugh about stuff that isn't like it. So it's like, yeah, I mean, there's no disrespect for a certain amount of time. I I personally, it was a weird experience for me because, you know, I'm filming, you you guys know you create content. You're like, sometimes you're by yourself and you're like, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm not sure if this is funny. You know, it's funny to me. I'm laughing. I have to like make the edits myself. But like at the same time, I'm like, this this could be a huge, just dumpster fire. But I was like, (laughs) I just, I was having fun with this. So I was like, oh, we'll try it. There's a tear. It reminds, there's a difference between one and two. <laughs> it reminds me of like one time I, I, I went. Room for him to grow taller. I, I went to a few stand up comedy things on Zoom during the pandemic. And these guys are like, look, I can't hear any of you laugh. This is weird as hell for me. And, and just like be mindful of that. That must have been like, like you said, like you're, you're in that room by yourself and you're like, this, this could bomb or it could be, I thought it was really funny. And I thought, obviously when the rankings were the same as our friend Chris Sims's were, I kind of, you, you get on the scent a little bit. Sure. Because the Kellen Mond thing, 
it's like here I got on the scent when I realized that everything he was saying about the quarterbacks was just clearly made up. <laughs> you know, it was like so many sayings that you've yeah. just heard parroted over and over and over again. And then so then there was the rankings. And then there's a part where you laugh, but then you transition from like the dry humor to a referendum on spewing bullshit into the yeah. ether <laughs> in regards to the Justin Fields work ethic thing. And then you go back in, back into the, the dry humor. Basically what I'm saying is if you haven't watched it, you should go watch it. We'll be right back to JT O'Sullivan. JT Justin Thomas is playing in the Masters this week. And that's why I've got to tell you that at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code PFF when you sign up and you get 100 to 1 odds on any golfer to finish in the top 10. JT would be a guy that I would consider taking. Maybe you go Dustin Johnson, Rory, maybe Spieth, people love him. But anyway, you get $1 to win 100. You absolutely have to go make this happen at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook app with the promo code PFF. And that way, if you're not a golf guy, you then all of a sudden have a reason to tell whoever it is that's you know saying, hey, honey, why aren't you off getting off the couch? Look, I have a 100 to 1 investment on our future. And I need to watch this. Um, and you can watch it the whole way through. Um, you must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. This is for new customers. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Also, if you are looking to invest in sports and, you know, maybe betting on things in the future or whatever is a little t tricky for you, Symbol is a great place because you can essentially trade like you would on the stock market, but with sports teams. It's fantastic. And if you use promo code PFF, when you go to symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot app slash PFF and deposit just $10 there, you get a free PFF Edge annual subscription for the year, for a whole year. It's $40. And then you get $10 to start your portfolio, go buy. Let's see. I mean, right now, I, I, I'm buying all things Justin Fields and the 49ers. So, you know, I'm probably just going to go buy more Sim Niners. Um, Eric, I don't know if you bet any or purchased anything recently. I have two Sim Falcons. Uh, still uh, rolling shares. in. Just still rolling in on the Falcons. Absolutely need to. I mean, we've got we've got win totals uh, up on the site on PFF.com. You go read those and those might be some teams you buy some uh, some Sim shares in. go to symbol S-A-M-B-U-L-L dot app slash PFF deposit $10 with promo code PFF. And now we are back to JTSL. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to do a mock draft, okay? We're going to go one through four or five, depending on how much time we have. And you don't get to make this one a joke. I want to know who you'd actually pick in these spots. And this is, cool. yeah, right. yeah, exactly. So the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and JT, by the way, we're wrong all the time. So don't, don't. No, don't no, we're, sa we're saving this so that we can replay <laughs> it when these guys have, you know, not worked out 10 years later. <laughs> I, I once wrote an article called it, "It's Justin Herbert might not be worth the gamble." So, look, it's you know we're all anyways. we're all this this is going to be fun though. So let's start with number one: the Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer, and the Khan family are selecting with the number one overall pick. Who? I mean, I so badly want to say someone else, but I mean. We'll say Trevor Lawrence, okay. just because. Uh, well, I'll, I won't. I won't go off the rails immediately, but I. I don't want to. Okay. Good. I, so immediately, a difference from your rankings video. So something, <laughs> something appears fishy here. You're um, on to something. Yeah, You're I'm on to something. something. Um, okay, let's go to number two before we have a, a, a quick discussion. Number two, the New York Jets. Now Sam Darnold lists select. Well, let me walk this back because okay. I want to be, I want to make sure I'm qualifying this because I, I I have a hard time doing this. Am I selecting this for Jacksonville yes. and for the Jets? Yes, or you am I are. Selecting this? I'm the owner. I'm the general manager. This is who I want to roll with. Exactly. Okay, then I'll go back. I'm going to roll with Justin Fields first, Trevor okay. Lawrence second. Okay, so let's let's talk about that a little bit because. Yep. Yeah, in your rankings video, you know, Justin Fields was, was, was not la second to last. So it's a big turnaround. So what is it for you? You watch Justin Fields. What is it that sets him apart um, and, and puts him above Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson? I don't know if there's like 
huge separation, <laughs> but I do. I, 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 I personally, the thing that I, I just, I like Trevor Lawrence a lot. I think that he's been kind of pegged as that guy for so long that maybe he hasn't lived up to it quite as much as people would like him to. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that I also fall back to is I just feel like he hasn't performed in some of the bigger moments as much as I would have liked him to. And I feel like Justin Fields by no means had a perfect season. There were certainly throws that are head scratchers and didn't play as well as he possibly could. But when I project some of the things that I see him do as a full body of work, I, I just like his ceiling. I like I like what he brings to the table versus everything else. I, I don't think you can go wrong with either one of those guys. I really I don't think you can go wrong with the top three guys. Okay. But if I was picking and I was building an offense I just li- I like how Justin Fields competes. I like how he battled through. I like how tough he was. Mm-hmm. I-, I like a lot of that stuff that I feel like is is hard to kind of you know put a quantitative tough guy measure on it that I think matters in an NFL locker room. So it doesn't bother you that he repeatedly hits snooze on his alarm per scout. No, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, bro, I can't. Don't even go to. Don't even go <laughs> Sorry, we're not. We we had a rant about that last week. I think it was similar to yours. At, it, if I would, I will, I'll start yeah. losing it. But let's okay. This is good. Let's well, go to. Well, here's the thing. This was a position that we had a season ago that the, it was basically neck and neck. Yep. And we said we'd take fields. We would take fields if pressed. I JT. I I think like you bring up a good point. Not only Lawrence plays in the ACC, which is an overrated football conference and has been for probably yes, five or six good. years. And to your point about Trey Lance, it's not that he like he crumbled in every circumstance that he had, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, you know, opponents that were really good. It's that he only had opponents that were really good a relatively few amount of times, and the last two times he was at the plate during it, he did not play as well as he could have. And we don't, unlike with Fields, and unlike. You know, with Mac, you know, this some of the the SEC quarterbacks. We don't have them playing a murderer's row. They're, I mean, they're playing Virginia some weeks. They're playing Duke some weeks, hey. and it's and it's just like, and again, like that doesn't mean that he couldn't. If you gave him an SEC schedule, it wouldn't play out the same. But it is a, a valid point. What I'll I say that I think is great about this is that we are picking every nit that has ever been thought of or could exist with Justin Fields, and we're not doing that with Trevor Lawrence. Why? Well, he's five star. He's been a five star. What you know? What reason do we have to knock him off that pedestal? Whereas with Justin Fields, it's like, dude, can you please go find some you know goon who's going to talk about you know something bad that he did in seventh grade so we can knock him off yeah. the pedestal? Um, as you can see, I'm getting fired up. Number three, like it. Number like three, it. the San Francisco 49ers are on the clock. Your former team, you have a chance to redeem the 49ers of the the ills that they caused you. <laughs> they definitely didn't cause me any ills. The, uh, my ills say, for I, watching that I team. Personally, I personally think that they're going to end up with Fields. Uh, I hope that they end up with Fields. I think in this, in, in my draft situation, they're going to end up with Zach Wilson here, okay. you know, just with, with best available as far as that position. But, again, all I, I, I'm doing the same thing that I think the 49ers did. They said, in my opinion, we love these three guys. I don't care who we get. It doesn't matter who we get. It's not within our control. We want one of those three guys. And really, that's what – and he th- and I'm going to guess that that organization thinks that they can win and win right now with any of those three guys because of the moves, moves that they've made. And so this time they get Zach Wilson, but I probably think they're going to end up with Fields, and it's going to be fun to watch. And I, I really do. I'm excited for him. Yeah, I, I think that that is a really good take. Um, that doesn't require a lot of dot connecting that winds you in a, a weird circuitous George, route to Mac Jones. George wants Fields to go to his favorite team so badly, and <laughs> he's been he's been talking himself out of the Mac Jones possibility for a while. Even though Mac Jones is not a bad prospect, I I I am wholeheartedly with you that I think this I think that there's a difference between the, the four, fourth and fifth QBs and the first three. And, and the first three can, can switch place. Like the anchoring on, on Lawrence right. is something it's that we haven't, that, that, that I don't think is being properly addressed 
Um, would you go – so then would you go Mac Jones, Trey Lance, or would you go Trey Lance, then Mac Jones, or Kellen Mond? I know you guys probably are not a Kellen Mond fan. I probably would go Trey Lance, Kellen Mond. Okay. But, again, you know, th- there's a little bit of me that that uh, that struggles with just – and I, I can hear myself arguing against myself to a certain extent, like small sample size, mm-hmm. uh, had a great year. You know, it's not his fault that he didn't beat out Tua. I mean, it is his fault, but, like, he only yeah. got one year to play. He had a great year. It's really – I think it's really cool that Mac Jones – played so well I had fun watching Alabama play I thought their offense was different dynamic with him in there with what they were asking him to do but if I was projecting someone that I would want on my roster for the next five to ten years I might be more interested in Kellen Mond than I would with Mac Jones but I I think Trey Lance is is the four person for me in that slot and then you know I could probably be swayed one way or the other by whoever I've watched most recently for Kellen Mond and Mac Jones the thing with Mac Jones that's interesting is you have the the sort of confluence of Tua had all four of those receivers mm-hmm. at the same time, whereas Mac spent a great deal of his time playing with just one of them. But Alabama is so replete with players that like I don't even know if like the, this Menchie guy might be a first round pick next year. Or, yeah, you know, the, the tight end guy. There. And then the other thing is 2019 pre-pandemic football defense existed a little bit the sec defenses in 2020 <laughs> were like hot knife through butter basically the whole time no, so then you the, sort the of rate to... at which he threw to guys with two steps or more of separation yeah. is almost like double that of anyone yeah. else on throws five plus yards downfield it was, it was insane and, and you know trevor lawrence was throwing more bubble screens than anyone else like there's a lot of you know these things that that contextually put um you know help you frame these quarterbacks i mean uh Devontae smith if you keep bubble screens in, was contested on only 16% of his targets last, like the last two years. So it, it's really like a, it's really a, a friendly offense, but they're also extremely talented. So then how do you like untangle Well, that's all that? why he's such a great fit for Kyle Shanahan's system. And you know. a lot of talented players <laughs> on that team, that's for sure. Um, what, it, let, let me ask you this, because I just got to keep going down this rabbit hole. Um, what does Mac Jones do better than Justin Fields? Oh, he's got a better publicist about processing. You know, I I, I don't know. Like, uh, I honestly, I, I don't have a great, I don't, I don't have a great answer. I think, yeah. I think that there's probably more evidence on the film of him getting to the checkdown quicker. You know, mm-hmm. I, if if you want to call that processing, okay. You know, I think it's him knowing exactly what he's supposed to do with the ball and being uh, efficient and decisive. He he does. He looks good with it. But you know, there are some reps trying to think who I most watched recent for Alabama, where it looked like a seven-on-seven rep. You know, there was no one around him. You know, you're checking it down immediately into a wide-open guy. and It's it's very efficient. And there's an element of of me when I walk Mac Jones where I think, man, this guy looks like a 10-year NFL veteran backup. Like he's just carving up the preseason fourth Mm -hmm. game, just crushing it. And it's, you know, it's because he knows exactly what to do with the ball and gets the ball out, super efficient. But, and, you know, I just don't see – Justin Fields does that too. It's just the other half of the time he's getting his face blasted in and, you know, and it doesn't work out all the time. And I, so, I mean, I could feel myself making excuses with it. I don't think that there's anything that jumps off the film that says Justin Fields can't do everything that Mac Jones does. The answer? Get DUIs. <laughs> Jesus. You're supposed I'm to be, going all in. Okay? You're supposed to be above this. this. I can't. If Justin Fields had a DUI, uh, we, we would be hearing. Seriously. They would be writing books on yes, it. Okay. Of course. There would yes. be a smear campaign. We'd be seeing those political commercials talking about yes. how can you elect this man to be your quarterback? He once drove under the influence. There would be like that picture of Matt Gates. But it would have Mac Jones's face on it, <laughs> and it would be all around Twitter. But, oh, but I, yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it's I think it is important to realize the biases that have crept in, and I think it's good to push back on them. And you know, I but at the same time, like I do, it's interesting. Like, do you believe? Because this is one of my beliefs. I think everybody on on Niners Nation is trying to bash Mac Jones as a player, right? His play. And I don't think, I think he's a fine prospect where he was initially marketed, which was pick 19. I think at three, it's an absolute travesty if he went ahead. And we're we're conflating those between this guy is good 
a decent prospect back half of the first round, which, by the way, no quarterbacks get taken in the back half of the first round anymore, really. It's you're, you're shoved all the way up to the front, yeah. or you're taken like maybe Jordan Love last year. And I and I and I it's unfortunate for a player like Mac Jones because he's going to be taken and he's going the expectations for him are just going to be too high. He's just I think he's one of those that can be elevated by a system. I don't think he can elevate a team himself. Yeah, JT, do you follow like the betting markets at all with any of this stuff? So you could have bet we actually bet it. Um, was it two months ago? 18 and a half. Eight, whether Mac Jones was drafted, pick 18 and a half earlier or later. Okay. It's now, we bet earlier. It's now three and a half. <laughs> the, he is currently the favorite to go to the Niners in the betting markets. Which... So, so like, so, okay, let's, let me get you out of here on this. You, you know, you've played in the league with the 49ers, obviously. So you must have some intel. Um, who, who do you think? <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, who, who do you think they're going to take? Like, do you think this is a huge smokescreen um, that pe the media is blowing up? Um, or do you actually think they'd take Mac Jones? Well, before I answer that, I'm not going to let uh, the, the three white guys get off the, get off here with that easy of a take on Mac Jones, Justin Fields. Because if you don't talk about the race dynamic of this, Fair. you're just doing yourself uh, a disservice. And uh, whether it's, you know, the jokes about the DUI, and I get it, although it's, you know, it's, it's not funny, but it is, I get it. Uh, the the element that this is okay or cool to kind of have these kind of like white savior uh, quarterback moments and make it the norm across the kind of narrative across multiple platforms and it'd be okay to do and not mention anything about how these quarterbacks that aren't white get treated differently is just it, it's not cool i feel like we're past it i feel like you have to especially someone who's gotten so much from the game it's important for me to just name it when it happens i don't have the answer for it you know, I certainly don't, other than the fact of bringing attention to it. But I think we joke around about them not being treated the same. They're not close to being treated the same on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. And really, it's not just the Mac Jones. It's Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. It's mm -hmm. Justin Fields, everyone. It's Trey Lance, what that looks like. And so I think you just name it, and you, and you hope that you continue to call attention to it and, and hope that it changes over time, because I think it should. And there are so many reasons and so many guys who are doing it at the right level and doing it really well at the highest level that, that it will continue to get better and better, but it just, it keeps popping up and it keeps becoming the norm and it's just, and it's not, it's not good enough. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's certainly something well said. It's certainly, yeah, I think so too. I think it's certainly something where, as George pointed to, in one case, you're finding reasons to ignore things. And in another case, you're finding reasons to exploit things or explore that things. That may not have ever existed. And, and, it, and it masquerades itself as, well, I'm just asking a question or I'm just reporting what somebody told me. And I think that to your point on your, and we talked about this too, if you're an analyst, it's your job to actually go further and say, what is, does this have any credibility? Does this, does this make us smarter? Does this put us in position to, and, and the other thing, and I think you can appreciate this having played, this is Justin Fields' livelihood. I mean, we're not necessarily talking about some, this isn't a game. It's a game, but it's not a game, you know, because if he gets picked, you know, and right now, Justin Fields' number is like seven and a half. If he gets picked, if he falls to Denver at nine, versus being picked at three by San Francisco, that's an enormous amount of money over the course of your life that is based upon mm -hmm. these little like microaggression type things that are not. I mean, here's, here's what I'll say about this yeah. though. Hopefully Kyle Shanahan is not listening to any of these goobers yeah. and yeah. has done, there's a reason they traded up. They're, they're not trading up because they didn't know who they'd want to take. You know, I think that's, that's the point you made. They'd be happy with any of those three guys. They knew one of them would be there. And so he's not being influenced by this. Uh, before I, I just, I got to know, percentage chance do you think they take Mac Jones? I, I need this for my own sanity, JT. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, I lost you for no, a hot you're, second. You're good. Percentage, I just, I need some, I need you to help me through this, this trying time uh, here. Percentage chance Mac Jones is a 49er. I mean, uh, I want to say less than 25% chance. Okay. Uh, I, I, and that's just me being too, uh, having too good a hearing. Like, I, I just feel like uh, there's, I, I don't understand. They're, they're seeing something that I'm not seeing if that's the case. And I, I, uh, I don't know. 
look, you seem like the first time we've had John, you've been a straight shooter. You've, you've told it like it is. You're also a very good comedian, so I trust you implicitly. And uh, I'm taking that one to the bank. I'm taking it to the bank. I personally agree with you. Eric agrees with you. Um, JT O'Sullivan, QB We're definitely school. wrong. We're definitely wrong. No, <laughs> we're not wrong. We're not wrong. We're going to will this into existence, damn it. Justin Fields is going to be leading our Niners to a Super Bowl in a couple of years. Uh, the QB school on YouTube, you've got to check it out. You've got to go watch the QB rankings. I, everyone watching this probably likes dry humor. Go check it out. Um, and all of the other videos that aren't a joke are awesome as well. JT, thank you, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. I had a blast anytime. That was, that was great. Big thanks to JT O'Sullivan. He, he, so we were trying to get the um, interview lined up, and JT just literally sends over his like here's my schedule for the day if you can fit it in here like make it happen and the dude is is making some moves out there props to him yeah i mean i think he's doing a decent amount of he's we saw him on underdog the other day yeah with Um, josh norris uh great great group of guys there and and um obviously then he's also a high school football coach and you know he's going through that as well and i think he's also got kids as he talked about in there so uh i thought his bit about you know, the best thing you learned from Favre, I thought it was great. The whole, like, you know, you have to overcome your coach. Yeah. Which, I, I'm shocked that you your favorite part was the Favre part. I really am. I mean, Favre is like many things. There's 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 some good and there's some bad. Um, I, you know, that, that was certainly a takeaway. I, I, I really appreciate people like him who are not worried uh, about just talking about things that need to be talked about. Yeah. And, um you know, I think we're fairly outspoken and we've talked about the iniquity that is being shown towards, you know, Justin Fields relative to some of the other prospects. But to name it, I think was really important. And it's something that well, because as we found out, if you take a gander at, at some, you know, whatever, like if you beat around it, the people that don't agree with you are going to comment on it anyway. Yep. So I think it, I would think it was good for him to, to say that. And obviously, uh, you know, we agree with him and we've seen numerous cases of when players have earned that label and when they've avoided that label for basically the same things or or basically the same actions but not the same environments um you you get uh, you get those inequities over time and now you know what's i think encouraging as the situation has gotten better for african-american quarterbacks Mm -hmm. in the nfl but certainly not to to where it needs to be um and and it's good to call out some of the because again like we said like these things these things spiral i mean you Mm -hmm. We all think, okay, they're they're a top ten draft pick. They're going to make a lot of money. But if you if you pay somebody, you know, upfront five million dollar difference at the beginning, then of course Dude. that's going to spiral out of, you know, yeah. that that difference is going to magnify as you put it through insurance, you know, put it through uh, interest rates and stuff like that. So it, it's good to call that out. And again, I think the good thing is is we we got to a little bit of today of, of discussing the players for their merits on the field, mm-hmm. um, of which Mac Jones has quite a few. I think fewer than than Fields though. No, one hundred percent. And um, here's what I so I kind of I had a feeling that we were going to get to this point, but I think he hammered it home for me. I I don't know that I feel super confident in who I would take right now at number one, number two, or number three. Um, and I, I'm not saying that I couldn't like pinpoint it down, but I, I think there, like maybe there should be more discussion. I okay. This is where I stand though. I am very much a markets, markets matter person, and I'm very much a wisdom wisdom of the crowds person vis a vis, you know, the, you know, and and I don't know. I think I think the issue is and JT wisdom of the crowds matters and is accurate when the crowd consists of many independent thinkers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's why the Chris Sims, so we had Chris on and people gave us flack for for basically being nice to him about his rankings. We, I thought that was a great conversation. Yeah. I don't agree with all, but the thing is, is, you know what Chris Sims offers? An independent- We were it, there to learn. It, doesn't, the, even, it yes. doesn't even have to be all that informed. I'm not saying Chris isn't informed, but the, in, the wisdom of the crowds works because of the, the, the law of large numbers and a bunch of independent individuals. Mm-hmm. The issue, and this is true about a lot of things like media consolidation, all that kind of stuff. When you, when you go with the group, 
the wisdom of the crowds decreases because there isn't that many people in the crowd anymore. You've got one big ball of people that all believe the same thing, yep. and then you have a, a few independent thinkers, but your sample size is a lot smaller. So I appreciate when I appreciate the wisdom of the crowds, but I wonder sometimes if in the draft world it is violated. And and so that's why I am not quick to judge somebody who says, I like Zach Wilson over or over Trevor Lawrence, fight me. I'm like, if you do, and frankly, our numbers kind of like Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence. But at the same time, I do think, I do have some respect for the market and the market has been this way for a long time. So I'm conflicted. I yeah. do think if Lawrence went, I would not be offended. But I, if Wilson went first or Fields, I wouldn't be all that offended. See, I think it's violated by by the draft crowd. And here's why when okay for a lot of people that cover the draft and are draft focused this is their their rankings are really important and we've seen this in our own company where you kind of got to decide where you're going to take your stance okay because at the end of the day where you feel differentiated is like okay i had this guy higher than anyone else and look he was really good and I think it really comes down to a lot of people going, you know what, if I was judging this, you know, completely without any, you know, bias or out knowing anything else about what other people felt, I would have a different order. But I'm, that's not where I'm going to stake my claim. I'm not that confident that I want to be the one guy who was respected, didn't have Trevor Lawrence number one, and then Trevor Lawrence is great, and I am you're also talking about why a lot of coaches don't go for it on fourth down and three from their own 40, by the way. Yeah. Because I don't want to stray so far from the norm, even if it's positive EV, that I am fired. I'd rather I'd rather dump expected value consistently and, I'd rather and, be the same and keep as everyone my job else. and keep my job for as long as possible. I will say this, and this is an interesting thing when it comes to betting the draft, when it comes to an, analyzing the draft. I do know people in the league who think Justin, like I, I do know people who think Justin Fields is like not a first round pick. Like mm -hmm. it's, and it's one of those where I do believe that in within the NFL, there are people who are independent. I think that's part of their job. Like they're, they don't listen to us during this time. Like they don't mm -hmm. watch media. They might consult with us for B2B stuff and all that stuff, but they don't watch NFL Network. They don't They don't right. know who Daniel Jeremiah has. They don't know who Todd McShay has. They're, that is their job. And so it is why the draft is so the The actual draft is unpredictable because these teams have boards that are so much different than the consensus boards. If we could get our hands on those and simulate the thing out, I do think we would predict the draft a lot better than, you know, and, and Benjamin Robinson actually does a really good job with public mocks. But I think we could do even better, I think, if we had independent mocks from within teams, just because I do think that is the place where, for better or worse, independence is still achieved. Those are some really good points. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I think, I think it's so tough because um, if you, you'll never know. But, yeah. which is what I'm trying to get at is like you don't you you could be right and you'll never know because as we were talking about the environment is so important but I'll say this I'm looking at DraftKings Sportsbook right now and Justin Fields is plus 250 to go third overall and Mac Jones is minus 200 it's absurd and I I don't know what the limit bet is um, cause I don't have, I don't have access to actually bet here on, uh, this hollowed ground in Ohio. Yeah. You have to go to, you got to find it somewhere else. I think I may just go all in on Justin Fields, man. This is fucking ridiculous. I, I can understand similar prospects being, you know, it being a tough call. I don't think Justin Fields and Mac Jones are similar prospects. I just don't. I think they're they're super far apart. Well, and there's there's a so and the, and the limits aren't particular. So when we talk about these things, a lot of times these are small limits, but they are moving and they are moving. You take the you go to Fanduel or you go to you know my bookie, yeah. you know, you, you, and they're similar. But I will say this: the interesting thing is 
when you look at the other so when when ben brown and i wrote the market implied mock we had fields go third because at the time he was the favorite and then it switched literally in an hour after the Schefter yep. tweet but take a look at and this is what we try to do we didn't just try to take the one we try to take this market along with this market mm-hmm. along with that market and this market and take a look like bet online for example number one draft pick lawrence favored wilson second favorite fields third favorite no no mac jones there right you look at some of these other you look at some of the you look at the second overall pick uh odds it would stand to reason that if mac jones is the favorite to be the second overall pick over justin fields he would have better odds to be or the third overall pick yeah, he, he would be better the, odds, he would, to, be the odds to be the second second overall pick and when you look at the second overall pick now I'm, I'm patting myself on the back because i got this at minus 167. zach wilson minus 2000 justin fields plus 1600. Mac Jones is actually after Trey Lance to be picked second. So again, I I'm very I'm very I like looking at the markets. I'm looking at them for value. They just because he's favored to be the third overall pick on April seventh of two thousand twenty-one doesn't mean he will be. And we and if this thing flips, the if you look at the theoretical hold, I'm looking at right now. I have one of these on here the theoretical hold for these markets is like i'm looking at first cornerback pick just because it's right up on my screen 30 (laughs) percent. so this this book if they flip they're not getting middled by you okay so like a lot of times you know a lot of times you know there's good information here but don't they're not scared of you betting both sides of this because they're you're not making that much money no i will say this i have not i have yet to bet mac jones to go third overall I have bet Trey Lance at seven to one to go third overall. I have bet Trey Lance to go ahead of Justin Fields, but I, I'm going to give you an analogy, and you probably can't get down nearly as much money as this uh, other event. But um, this feels like a little Biden Trump. Eleven p.m. Oh no! I have. I oh have, no! I talk about Zach Wilson at Uh-oh. second. I limit. I have the limit on that. I have about half that on Fields going third at plus one uh, plus one fifty. I and currently, by the way, to speak to the hold point, Fields at plus one fifty was value relative to what it is now. Mm-hmm. It's one twenty five. Like again, they're like the, the theoretical hold for that market is humongous. So just it, it to me again, have fun with this. Especially no, I, I'm you. trying to retire. <laughs> yeah, okay, like, I want to form. No, have, here's what I want to do, Eric. Remember how we had the over on the national yeah. anthem, and we started a syndicate for that. I'd like to start a syndicate for Justin Fields yeah. to go third overall. Yeah. Um, can I can I give you a little bit of a confession? Sure. I've been betting at the at the um, consult consultation of our friend Paul Carey works for us. It, there's no games on right now that I care about. Mm-hmm. College basketballs. Hey, the Reds are playing right down the street. NHL shot props have been what I've been betting to try to build the bankroll for the draft. Wow. That that is that's and look, I feel blessed. Last year at this time, Matt and Sims were literally the only thing we can bet other than draft props. And now, George, there you have it. We Simple have actual man. game. Blessed because he can bet on the NHL. I feel blessed because the Masters are actually going to happen this weekend. Um, Firing up my my sports book here. Real quick, though, I want your 30-second Sam Darnold take because this was big news yesterday, and now no one really gives a shit about it. Um, What are your thoughts on the trade? Okay. When I I see things like this, I said the same thing about tagging Dak Prescott. If the best thing happens to you, what happens when it was Prescott the best thing that happened to Dallas like almost happened and they paid dearly for it Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. so tagging him was not a great choice in my opinion if the best thing happens to Darnold given everything we know Darnold becomes a top 15 quarterback top 12 let's say top 12 is not enough to get you a mega deal Mm -mm. top 12 is enough to get you top 12 is enough to kind of continue to chop your feet about him Mm -hmm. but a top 12 if joe brady gets darnold in the top 12 he's getting a head coaching job somewhere else and now darnold has his fourth offensive coordinator in five years and you have all those you open the can of worms question marks again right assuming you pick up your fifth his fifth option which has been reported that they want to do like i just don't get it and that year, 2022, is the year you're giving up the two and the four. So, like, I just, I, I have no clue. 
Look, I like Teddy more than you do. But what is Teddy not giving you that Sam Darnold is other than youth? Well, that's going to be my take on this whole thing. Is Sam Darnold gives you at least a pipe dream of still having the ability sort to Sort of my Jameis take. But Jameis wouldn't have been a two and a six. Sure. I, I mean, look, I think they overpaid for something that they feel gives them a shot of you know catching lightning in a bottle for a guy who was on a terrible team with a coach who by all accounts has not been very good at coaching the game of football from a quarterback standpoint and he's 23 years old yeah what this signals by the way also is the falcons are probably trading for right because my biggest issue with this is that why why is that well it, why would they be probably trading for because of this trade because I think they probably offered Carolina is not that far away from four, right? And four gets you not all that far away from either at least Trey Lance, at least Mac Jones, and if maybe your Niners fuck up, yeah, maybe Justin Fields. Justin Fields. The issue is is probably the the either Atlanta's completely blue balling them and say we're not trading with a division rival, yeah. or like it just costs them too much in a trade, and like. But that would lean, lead you to believe they're not trading. No, because I, I do think like, I do think it's open for business there. Interesting. Yeah, and I and I, so because because here's the thing: if they can't trade with the Falcons, right? But mm -hmm. somebody else can, then their best shot is the fifth best quarterback at nine or six or wherever they go back. To me, that that's the issue. I think I think they believe, and I'll amend this. I think they believe that either Atlanta's taking a quarterback at four, or they're trading the pick and a quarterback's yes. going there, and then they can't because because honestly, if they don't think Atlanta's going to trade for four, yeah. and they'll take the best position player, then they could trade with the Bengals, or they can assume the Bengals are going to be dumb as Duke yeah. Tobin said the other day and not think about trading. Then they could trade back with with the Miami. Like there were so many outs for them at the QB position that. The only thing that leads me to believe that Darnold was their best option was that the fourth guy is being picked off at four. Yeah. And then and then they're kind of like, well, fuck, if we have to have Mac Jones. and like, Right. I think they're probably not enamored with Mac Jones, yeah. which would be shocking. He's uh, Actually, Mac Jones would be fine for them. I mean, yeah. Mac Jones with Joe Brady would be his second best possibility. No, I think Denver would be better. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I think, I, I think Brady. I think more highly of Brady than Shermer, but I think it's closer I do, than but most I think people the, do. I I agree. But they have Samuel, not Samuel. They have um, Anderson and more. But and I more. really like what Denver's got with Fant, yeah, Judy, Sutton. Uh, dude, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant. That's really good. Yeah, you're and, playing and from a better a little offensive bit more line in the in the AFC West. I think the teams are better than the NFC South currently, other yeah. than Tampa. I stand by that. Denver is a better place. Okay. Um, Great. We've talked about all. We never have to talk about Sam Darnold again for the rest of the year. Um, okay, the Masters. Here is so here's what I do. I generally try to find some longer shots. There's never value on the like favorites. Steve? I do not have a system like Steve. Okay. Um, usually, I follow golf a little more closely, and I try to identify players who maybe didn't win recently but have played well. I didn't really do that this year. The player who's playing really well of late is Jordan Spieth, and he's a popular play, so he is like 10 to one to win. That's not a lot of, not a lot of value. So I place a couple of long shot bets on players to win. I've got Colin Morikawa at 30 to one. Um, has, won a, has won a major before, uh, I think has all of the game necessary, really good with his irons. And that's what you need at, at the Masters. I can only get him for 29 to one. Okay, well, I don't even know if he's really good with his irons, so whatever. Um, that's what I remember from the PGA. Here's my favorite one, which is Xander Schauffele at 25 to one to win. Xander Schauffele was um, very close the year that Tiger ended up winning. Um, I love his game. He's from California. Um, I think he's going to win a major very soon. I don't see why it wouldn't be this one. From California variable. Check. Uh, Brooks Kapka is 28 to one. I'm not sure I would bet him to win because he's coming off of a knee injury, but I like him sneaky to uh, like finish. Like head to heads? Yeah, I, I think he could come out firing. He's got something to prove. People said he wouldn't be able to come back. He's plus 550 to go top 10. You impressed I know that head-to-heads exist in golf? No, I'm actually not surprised you know that. <laughs> Tony Finau, I have to bet him every year. He's 40-1, to 1, but again, a guy that has had success at Augusta. Hasn't he been somebody long. that's like epically melted down a number of times? He has. But he's, that's why he's 40-1, to 1, okay? Uh, remember, Sergio epically melted down one of them. And then one one, yeah. 
And this is a bet I place uh, every year as well, out of courtesy to one of the greatest golfers to never really be that great of a golfer, but one of the coolest dudes out there, Fred Couples. He's 66 to 1 to finish top 10. <laughs> I don't think he's going to even wants to play like four gonna, full rounds. Going to make the cut. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he wants to play four full rounds, but I'll say this. He's a friend of Tiger's. They usually play practice rounds together. Okay. Another guy that's a, that does that is Justin Thomas. I'll probably bet him maybe to, to you know, in some head to heads. But I think Fred Couples wants to give a little extra for his buddy T, T Dub, okay, who's watching at home. So maybe he. Maybe he pulls it out, gets a little top 10, 66 to 1. The media, by the way, we talk about the media in this yeah. podcast. Remember the Woods accident, how, how, how much they, they botched that? Oh, my goodness. And that was hey, – we're going to miss Tiger. Was Tiger – Tiger won the Masters two years ago. Am I, mm -hmm. am I, okay. And that, and that was that – I remember being at the Cincinnati airport, like, when should I bet this? You're like, yesterday? And like, yeah, that was I, – I bet Tiger to win that, and uh, it was fantastic. Um, okay, that's our show. We'll be back on Sunday with win totals. Thank you guys for hanging out. Thanks to JT O'Sullivan. Peace.